What's good, Austin, Texas? Shout out to everybody on game week. It's August 28th on Chip and Zay on Texas Sports Unfiltered. You do not see Chip Brown, but we got a great substitute calling him in from the bullpen. He's been working all day. You would catch him with Bucky Gobble from 8 to 10 and Trey Ellen from 12 to 1. And since Chip Brown is doing some uh, let's say some responsibilities that he has to do. You know what I'm saying? If it wasn't Texas related, I I'd be, you know, I'd be a little salty, but it's Texas related. So I get it. Brad Kellner is joining me. BK, what's good, man? Yeah, man. This is the second time in as many weeks that Chip Brown is late to his own show. I mean, are we going to have to have a talk with this guy? What's going on, All man? Right. Hey, man, that's on you, dog. That's on you. He said he's talking to Xavier Worthy. Once he said that, I'm good. I'm good. You know, Sark, you talked to him today, and it's game week, so these this is necessary. I, I understand it. Yep, he is doing work. He is doing work. He is down on the 40 acres right now, interviewing the coach, interviewing a couple of the players, and he will have some great content whenever he does join his own show today, if we're lucky enough <laughs> to get Chip on his own show today. But, uh, nah, he will be with us at some point. And yeah, he is, he is working. He is working. He's getting some great content, putting together some good stuff over at Horns 24 seven. And he'll have the goods uh, for you today. He's doing his part for us too, right? He's the only That's buddy. True. He's the only person from Texas sports unfiltered on campus talking to all these players right now. So uh, he's, he's putting in work for, for this channel as well. Yeah. Shout out to Chet Brownhorns 24 seven. He does a great job there and yeah, man, it's game week. This week is finally here. Week zero just happened and Notre Dame took care of business and USC for though they got scared in that first half, they took care of business too. And now the Texas Longhorns, all the anticipation, everybody's been saying, I saw everybody on the four letter network on college game day. They got UT winning the big 12 and stuff like, that former Heisman Trophy winner and that dude that used to play in Columbus and it's like damn everybody and their mama drinking that orange Kool-Aid and usually BK when you drink that orange Kool-Aid it's 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 tainted with a little bit of poison it seems like every year you know what I'm saying give you some type of food poison or some shit like it's it's never good to drink that burnt orange Kool-Aid. At least it hasn't been in the last decade and some change. And it seems like everybody is on this Texas train and yo, I'm on the train with them. I might be in the very back on some caboose stuff, but I'm on it though. I'm on it. Now I am a little scared. I am a little nervous just because yeah. again, with what I just said, how can you not be nervous? You know what I'm saying? How, how can you not be nervous? But Sark in year three, you know, we, it's so easy to get caught up in this game against Rice just because it's Rice and you know what you got next week going to Tuscaloosa. But again, Sark, year three, Gwen Ewers, year two in the program under Sark's offense, all the guys that you got coming back, all the big-time transfers that you have, like everybody has that feeling of, this is the year where you win the Big 12, go to the last time you're ever going to see a four-team college football playoff before you go to the SEC, and something special could happen in 2023. 
So when you're saying you're drinking the Kool-Aid, are you are you thinking like that? Are you talking to college football oh! playoff berth? Bucky, Bucky this morning was like, they're going to lose one game. And I'm like, Buck, you realize if you say that, that means you're picking Texas to make the playoff. Because if they go 11-1 and one and then win the Big 12 championship to get the 12-1, and one, then it doesn't matter who that one is against. Like, they're making it to the Final Four. So are you... Are you on the Bucks level? Are you ready to say right here the Monday of game week that the Horns are going to find themselves in the Final Four when this year's all said and done? Man, I I think they could lose two and still make it because I think their schedule is thicker than people give them credit for. I mean, Kansas State ranked. You got them November 4th. TCU ranked 17th. You got them the next week, uh, the 17th, or excuse me, November 11th. And then I think Texas Tech, they're going to jump in there sooner or later. They're going to surprise a lot of people. It's kind of crazy to me that they're not ranked right now. So, yeah, the schedule's thick. And I think because of that, and even though I got them winning this weekend and next weekend, I could easily see them losing in Tuscaloosa. But yeah. I, I, I do think they could lose two and get in because I think there's a lot more parity in college football this year than in years past. Again, Alabama, they don't know what their quarterback situation is. Ohio State, they picked their quarterback, but it seems like that dude's on a short leash. And you got to think that Kirby Smart has his quarterback on a short leash. I mean, Setson Bennett might come back for a seventh season. He might say, you know, F this Los Angeles Rams stuff. Like, I might go play again <laughs> since he probably has eligibility since he hasn't passed all those classes and graduated with his, I don't know what to call that. That's an absolute shame. <laughs> Oh, he's living the dream, man. You kidding he me? He is living the dream. Yeah, that guy got to be in college for eight years, and he could still go back. It sounds like whatever he wants, like that. That's what I'm looking for right there. I'm jealous. Yeah, yeah that is a good gig. But I think there's a lot more parity in college football this year, where you're going to see a lot of other teams like USC. They ain't pressed me this past week at all. You know what I'm saying? Like it was 21-14 at half. Yeah, And it might look like Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley, like they're just going to have to outscore cats because, you know, San, uh, San Jose State, they made some big time plays. And I know Alex Grinch ain't the best, but look, they still got a lot of talent on that USC defense. So I expect them to be better than that. But yeah, they ain't impressed me. Notre Dame. They didn't impress me that much either. I don't know. It's just, even though they, it's Navy. Come on I now. I know. It's hey, Navy. They, they beat them pretty good though. 42 that, to three is, is good. We'll take that. Yo, man, that offense was made when they were wearing the leather helmets, bro. Like that's <laughs> a old ass, just triple option and stuff. Come on. Them dudes were all over that. So you can't, you know, I like Jaden Greyhouse, though, even though it's hard for me to give love to a Westlake guy. Like yeah. two touchdowns in your first game and your debut. Like ask Bucky Go uh, Gobble about Jaden Greyhouse. That dude's absolute stud. And I'm not surprised at all him coming in freshman year Marcus Freeman has a lot of confidence in his game but yeah they didn't you know they didn't light the roof off for me so again a lot of parity in college football I think that allows Texas to lose two games now it depends on who they lose to those teams I named they lost to Kansas State that would hurt but all right if they lost to Texas Tech that would really hurt because it's at the end of the year and obviously yeah. what you do at the beginning of the season you know you've got to make your work at the beginning of the season too but ah man 
I don't know. A lot, a lot has to go down for them to lose two games. I think they have to – if they lost two games, they have to win the Big 12 championship to get in the college football playoff. But, yeah, this team has as good a chance as anybody in the nation. Man, yeah, I, I don't think they can afford two losses. We just haven't seen it before, right? Like since the college football playoff became a thing back in 2014, there has not been a multi-loss team that made it to the CFP. And you're right. I agree with you. I think there's more parity in the sport this year than there has been in years past, right? I mean, Georgia, I know they've won two titles in a row. They're the heavy favorites to win it again. But, you know, they lost their quarterback. Alabama seemingly has more questions than they've had in a long time. They're replacing their quarterback. Ohio State, they're replacing their quarterback. Like, those have been the three teams that it feels like they're in the playoff every single year. Well, all three of them are replacing a quarterback. And you're right. You know, USC's got questions. Michigan, I know they're a trendy pick this year. They've got questions. Hell, they've lost both of their college football playoff games. They lost to TCU last year, and we saw what happened to TCU in that national title game. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just – I don't think – I'm going to go with history and say Texas can't afford to lose two. There there is a path that it happens, Zay, because the schedule is pretty tough. And, hey, if everybody else loses two games – then, all right, they're going to have to put a two-loss team in there, and maybe Texas, because of the brand, because of the schedule, maybe that could get them in there. But I'm just going to assume that there there are going to be four zero or one-loss teams that make it to the playoff to where, yeah, Texas gets that one mulligan, but they can't have a second one if they want to have any chance to make the Final Four. Yeah, you know the committee, they're going to put somebody that had a weak-ass schedule but might go undefeated, that's not power five, just throw them in there to try to make things interesting. And I could definitely see that happening, but I don't know, man. This just feels like a different year. Like, there's no it team that you're just going to go to Vegas and bet your money on. Maybe for some people, for me, (laughs) I don't know about that. Maybe your cousin BK might have something to say about that. But right now it's just like, you know, it it seems like it's just assumptions at this point, you know, all that talent that Kirby smart lost, like it's going to be real hard to three Pete. I don't know when the last time there was a three Pete, that's a ton of talent he's losing over there in Athens, but Man, it's I'm I'm interested to see what the horns could do. I mean, you know, they they're as deep as anyone. They have so many position groups. Me and Chip Chip ranked the top nine position groups last Friday, Horns yeah. 24-7, and he had D tackles and wide receivers right there. And I remember we were going down the list and we were out eight and nine. He had nine offensive line. I'm confident in the offensive line this year. Really confident. I feel like there's about seven or eight guys you could throw out there and, you know, you might have your bumps and bruises, but once those guys get their feet wet, there's a lot of 300-pound guys that you could do some damage with. Obviously, Kelvin Banks leads the pack. I mean, that dude's going to be first round in a couple of years. Uh, He's just an absolute star. But everybody else, like Christian Jones coming back for a sixth season, that's huge. And the way that he talks on the podium and stuff, like he talks like, you know, this whole offensive line has a lot to prove. So, you know, Kyle Flood, I think he's done a very good job. I think they've done a really good job of just recruiting big guys and just having them in. Because, you know, last few years, some of those offensive linemen were lighting the ass, man. <laughs> and that's just, you know, when you're about to go to the SEC stuff, you can't have nobody that's lighting the ass at certain positions. Like those dudes have to be eating all 
the time. I know you burn a lot of calories with your workouts <laughs> and stuff, and it's hot as hell out here. But yo, man, you need about two or three PB and J sandwiches before you hit the sheets. <laughs> like that's you know what I'm saying. Like <laughs> it's one of those type of things, and they got dudes like that. Yeah. Like they have dudes that they actually have to redefine their bodies. Like Hayden Connor, he's toned up a little bit. Like that's what you want. You know what I'm saying? So yep. I I think this whole team is as deep as anybody and you're gonna need that because we already seen with mo blackwell like he's already the first buy to go down already so now that linebacker position is a little thinner than it was a couple of weeks ago and you know it's football things are gonna happen shit happens guys are gonna go down you know just at the end of the day that's how the game is played guys always go down so do you have enough to replace certain guys to where you don't have that fall off that we've seen in recent years and i think this team they they have that yeah they've got more depth than they've had around here in a long long time right i I think the top end talent is higher this year than it has been in more than a decade but i think what could separate this texas team from the rest of the pack in the big 12 and what puts them in that national conversation this year is the fact that they do have depth at a lot of key positions and look this offensive line it's deep i mean there have been years say where i haven't felt good about the starting five for this texas offensive line and it's like uh, some years, man, we got two or three guys we feel good about, but that fourth and fifth starter, I have no idea if they're going to be good. And then oh, if one person yeah. goes down with an injury, hell, you can cancel Christmas, right? Like the season <laughs> might be over. We could be screwed. Oh, this year, there's there's seven or eight guys that I feel really, really good about. And I think Texas, you'll see it a lot this weekend against Rice. They're going to be doing a lot of rotating. Uh, rotating. Why did I rotating why did i say that so weird yo why man this is the third show you good dog you you allowed some <laughs> minor slip a different language over here yeah, rotating yeah yeah, yeah you're you gonna be able to rotate those it. guys up front so yeah we're gonna see dj campbell and we're gonna see cole hudson play right guard on saturday you're gonna see some netto uh this weekend as well like and i don't think it's just like oh, we'll see it when texas is up 40 points in the fourth quarter no like i, I think we're gonna see it in the first half like, hopefully Texas has the game in hand by the time we get to halftime. But, like, dude, I could see, like, maybe the fourth or fifth series, maybe even before that, we see some shuffling on the offensive line. Not because guys are playing bad, but because, hey, it's 150 degrees out there, and we got to make sure that we're ready. If somebody does get hurt, like you said, Zay, it's a long season. People are going to go down with injuries over the course of a 12-game year. When somebody does get hurt, we've got our guys with actual in-game experience ready to play. And, yeah, Texas has depth on the O-line. They're going to give a ton of guys some playing time this weekend. But, once again, I don't think it's just uh, they're playing Rice and then mop-up duty will give some guys some run. No, I think we might see like six or seven offensive linemen play pretty regularly for this Texas team over the course of this season. Yeah, and you need that, man. You need that because you talked about the heat. Like, yo, it's serious out there. And what it's what's gonna be on the field, like one twenty-five, something like that. Like, it's gonna be nuts out there. So those big dudes, they're gonna get a little fatigued. And if you could throw a few guys out there at different times, and I'm with you. Like, I'm not trying to see the first string in the fourth quarter. Hell no. Like, no. that's the last thing we need, especially with you have coming the following week like you need to let those guys get off their feet and you know it's good that they're already prepping for Bama I have no problem with that I I really don't because it's Alabama when you're when you have a blue blood like that 
like you know you should just be able to take care of business whatever in front of you and that's rice so that's fine but to hear that they're still prepping for alabama also like i know you've got to live where your feet are to focus on the person in front of you it's alabama Nah, damn that. <laughs> like, this is Nick Saban. You prepare yeah. for a while, yeah. dog. Like, you, we you we know, know what Shark's going to say. Yeah, we know what yeah. Shark's going to say publicly, right? Oh, you can't overlook Rice. You know, this is the only opponent we're focused on. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> Everyone knows. It's the same thing as last year, too, right? Like, they had yeah. Alabama in week two. They opened up the year against ULM. They could have overlooked the hell out of ULM. It didn't matter because they beat the crap out of them. You could tell they spent a ton of the offseason focusing on Alabama. I mean, they almost won that game, and obviously you have the, well, if our starting quarterback doesn't go down, uh, we might win that game debate again against Alabama. Lord, I hope we don't have that for a third straight time this year. But, yeah, I mean, like Texas Texas overlooked ULM last year and still put a whooping on them. They're overlooking Rice. They're not going to say that, but they are way more focused on Alabama next week. They've been game planning for that game. Hell, maybe since like the day after the Alabama game last year, but definitely since the offseason started, <laughs> right after that Alamo Bowl, Sark and company were like, how do we go into Tuscaloosa and beat Nick Saban? How do we send that shockwave throughout college football that, hey, Texas really is back, and hey, Texas really is ready for the SEC? And okay, forget just 2024. Like Texas is ready to be a factor here in 2023 in their last year in the Big 12. Like they – They'll talk. They'll say the right things about Rice, but you're right, Zay. They're they're focused on Alabama, and they have been focused on the Crimson Tide for most, if not all, of the off season. Yeah, and that's why you send a message this week, like Rice, y'all are it. Y'all are gonna be the message that we send yep. to Bama that this ain't that same Texas team that gets all the hype by everybody because you get all the blue chip four and five stars, even though in recent memory they haven't been developed. Like this is a different Texas team, and you're trying to run up the scope like 70 ball defense. Yeah. You're trying to go, you know, 2000 Baltimore Ravens. We ain't letting them score over 10 points. Like that Ray Lewis mentality that Micah Parsons is throwing out there for the Cowboys. Jalen Ford, you need to throw that out there for this team. Like you have to have that pride. And you know, one thing that I noticed this past week, weekend BK and week zero, especially against USC, Branch, Zachariah Branch, that's his name. My man, yo, put on a show. Freshman, put on an absolute show. That kick return was stupid. They were comparing it to Reggie Bush. Like, they were like this. We haven't seen this in the Coliseum since number five. Like, I heard one of the broadcasters say that. I was like, damn. And they kind of weren't lying. Like, that was a special play. And then he took that screen pass to the house, too. He put on a show. But to get to my point, the dude's a freshman. Yep. So if I'm, you hear about Malik Muhammad, who's a freshman coming in, doing his thing as a cornerback, John Tay Cook, like if I see that, those guys were watching the game. That was the first, you know, it's the first week of college football. Everybody was watching that just to see, okay, what happened? So as a freshman coming in, oh, he could do that? I could do that. So yeah. I'm trying to see the Ryan Niblets, you know, all those guys, see what they could do. Like DeAndre Moore, I'm trying to see all those freshmen get some run because they might be needed. And yep. C.J. Baxter, same with him. Like all of those guys, which C.J. Baxter, you, I like what I'm hearing about the pass, uh, pass protection, what Sark said last week. Like C.J. Baxter's pass protection, it's been on point. He also named Keelan Robinson and Jonathan Brooks. 
But as a freshman, usually that's one of the hardest things to pick up on the physicality and your assignments on pass protection. Like some guys like Jalen blue, he still ain't getting it. You know what I'm saying? So to have CJ Baxter come in and I know he was here, you know, in January, which I think that pays huge evidence to where he is now. But yeah, man, like I, you need, when you see things like that and Zachary branch as a freshman, Oh, he could go crazy. Jaden Greyhouse, same with him. Two touchdowns for Notre Dame. Oh, he could go crazy. Like these freshmen, man, they come in ready, especially when they play in powerhouse uh, high school teams like DeSoto with Jonte Cook and Trey Wisner and like uh, South Oak Cliff, who just won state championship uh, for Malik Muhammad. So those guys, they're not going to be scared. And I think they're going to relish in the moment. Now, I've heard you talk about it with Chip, man. Malik Muhammad, South Oak Cliff, that guy is not uh, scared. You know. Anything. Yeah. Yo, you know you've been to the cliff. I know you've yeah. been to the cliff and got some soul food, got some oxtail, you know, some baked mac and cheese or something. You a Dallas boy. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know if you're able to come out of there, you've seen some shit. You've dealt with some shit. So, yeah, Malik Muhammad, like you've said, he's not scared. He's not going to be worried about rice. He's not going to be scared about playing in Tuscaloosa. He's not worried about anything. Fear, that's, that's a foreign language to that guy. And you're right. Like, the, you get this tune-up game. I mean, some of these guys are good enough to where I think they're going to make plays in Tuscaloosa next weekend, Zay. But you talk about what Notre Dame did. Okay, they played Navy. You talk about what USC did. Okay, they played San Jose State, right? Weaker opponents, a nice opportunity for these freshmen to sort of dip their toes into the college football waters and make some things happen. That's what Texas has with Rice, you know? Like, it's it's a golden opportunity. I expect multiple Texas freshmen to have strong performances this weekend where we're talking about like, Oh no, they, like we're not going to have to wait until this guy's an upperclassman before he can make an impact. Like, no, this dude next weekend at Alabama is going to have to play because he's that freaking good. Like, I think that's going to happen. I'm hearing reports that CJ Baxter might be the starting running back this week against. Rice. Yeah. What? How about that? So that's exciting. You talk about Jonte, everything we've heard about Malik Muhammad has been ridiculously good. Anthony Hill, like, there's options. There's options for Texas. This is a top three recruiting class in the country. And it's one of those years, A, where I think the roster is so deep and talented that it's not going to be a situation where Texas feels like they have to play this freshman. Like, shit, we, we got nothing else. We don't have a choice. We've got to throw this true freshman into the fire and just hope that he's ready to play. No, it's it's going to be like, oh, dude, no, this, this guy's better than the guy who's been here for three years on campus. And the guy who's been here is actually pretty good. This guy's just better. Like, you're going to have a few of those dudes. We're going to see it this weekend, but we're definitely going to see it over the course of 12 games. Some of these guys are going to be too good to leave on the sideline. Yeah, yeah, and you got to love it. You absolutely got to love it. I mean, I it, it's been a very long time that I had this feeling. You know what I'm saying? Like a very, very long time, probably since I was a teen and just trying to chase the muff around. Like that's, that's now I'm happily married. Man, like so since Texas was in just, you know, this type of, I guess, magnifying glass and expectation. You know, like a lot of people are picking them to be in the college football playoff. And I get it. I completely get it. You just said it. It's because of how deep they are. And, you know, when Texas was at their best, the special teams was at their best. Like Max era when they're winning, you know, championships and going to the Rose Bowl and stuff like how many 
punt blocks that they have. Oh. Aaron Ross go, taking it to the house on punt returns. Like, you saw none of that last year. And that's a problem. You know, another thing that I noticed this past week, now with the rule change, BK, after the first downs, like, it's like the NFL. It just keeps going. You know what I'm saying? So there's going to be times where some teams, just because they're afraid of that high-powered offense, they're just going to run the football and not allow Quinn Ewers and Sark to do their thing on the other side. And, you know, when stuff like that happens, that's when you're going to have to make special team plays. That's when you're going to have to get that punt block on the field or, you know, punt block or field goal blocks or a kick return or something that puts yourself in better position. And last season, you just saw none of that. So when you talk about these freshmen, like these freshmen don't necessarily have to get first or just get reps on the offense and defensive side of the ball especially with the way Jeff Banks and how much fun he makes. And me and Chip, we talk about it all the time. Like that dude, he's an absolute star. Like that's say what you want about his life off the field. Yeah. I, think player. I think he's a player. That's just me. And I, he talks like a brother too. Like he talks like, you know, Tyler Hero or Chris Mullen or something. The dude talks like a brother. And I'm like, yo, this dude's swag is just crazy. I get why everybody wants to play with him. And Chip talked about how, you know, in practice and stuff, when he's going in meetings and whatnot, he has, like, memes up there. He just makes it relatable for the players. And it's a different era of college football, man. You can't be just doing the Oklahoma drill and yell at dudes and stuff. I don't know if you've seen Swap Kings. Those mother effers were wrestling like wrestling or training. It was nuts. Tebow, all them dudes were just rest. Like Urban Meyer, absolute nut job. He had those dudes basically fighting, no pads or nothing, wrestling type stuff. Like those days, long gone. Like I'm I'm probably somebody that, you know, under the table, under the ground stuff. You know, Paul Fitzgerald, we know he was a little foul. But there's, there's always somebody, BK. But... When you have a coach like Jeff Banks and you have just all these weapons on this roster, you got to put them somewhere. And I think those guys are going to embrace that special team role if they were given the opportunity. Yeah. First of all, I'm not going to bag on anybody who's able to bag someone named the pole assassin. All right. Like that's <laughs> dude, tip of the cap to Jeff Banks, man. Like that guy is a legend for that and for that alone. All right. I wouldn't care how bad or how good of a football oh coach he God. was. If he's able, and I've seen some of her videos, if you're able to take that home any night, let alone every night, then you're doing something right. So he's a I'm legend on Jeff Banks just for that. But you're right, man. They, the hidden yardage in special teams, like we forget about it. We don't talk about it that much. We're all focused on the offense and the defense, and that third facet of the game gets left out a lot. I'll tell you what, Zay, uh, uh, an under – valued, underappreciated, under-talked about move that Sark made this offseason was going to get Ryan Sanborn, the punter from Stanford. Like, Texas was not a good punting team last year. Now, nobody likes punts, but the reality of football is you're going to have to punt from time to time. And Texas just, that they were not taking advantage. Their punt team was not good. They were not flipping the field as much as you would like. Uh, Sanborn's got a couple of years as a starter in college football. He's been very good at Stanford. He's been very good in fall camp. Like that, that guy right there, like that shows me that Sark agrees with you. Like he realizes the importance 
of good special teams because a punter like everyone's focused on i got to get this receiver from the portal i got to get this quarterback from the portal this linebacker what like everyone wants to get those guys but the fact that texas went out there and got one of if not the best special teams players from the portal that shows that they value special teams that also shows that they can self-scout a little bit they realized that was an area of weakness last year and they needed to address it and i think they did yeah, field position is huge, man. Back in that opposing team into a corner to where when they punt, you're in great field position. Yeah, I think that's huge. I think picking that man up from Stanford, you're right. That also is a big get. And he's experienced, too. Like, he's, like, grad, senior type. Like, he's been there for a hot minute. So, yeah, yeah, Sark, he's definitely done his thing. And, man, and it starts Saturday. It starts Saturday. And mm. It's definitely gonna be fun but i see that audio visual consultations new setup behind you my guy it's looking good man Come it's on, looking man. good absolutely yep. they hooked it up they hooked it up with the new studio we've got rolling here for texas sports unfiltered i also have the four tv set up in the living room so we've got oh, man. screens on screens on screens yeah. they can hook you up I don't know if you need four TVs on one wall like I have, but if you want to spruce up your home TV setup, you got to reach out to our friends at Audio Visual Consultations. They've been in business since 1988. That's right, coming up on, what, three, four decades now of uh, high-quality audiovisual automation work. They can give you the man cave or the woman cave like I have. They can give you a home theater setup if you want that. It doesn't matter. They've got you covered. All of the best equipment, all of the best service, all of the best installation. They are the very best at what they do. Just check them out online at avconsultations.com or give them a call, 512-255-8678. Do it now. Football season is upon us. We're about to hit the best time of the sports year make sure you reach out to avc as soon as possible to get your home taken care of absolutely man so since i got you here i know you haven't talked any basketball recently and i know you're a dallas maverick fan and luca has been playing in the world cup i know you're a big just sports fan all around even though it's football season i know you've peeked into the world cup just a little bit and me just being an absolute junkie i've been watching it just because you know <laughs> hey well, i might as well it's on i'm a patriot you know mel gibson ain't the only patriot bk i'm a patriot i support team usa basketball the Dream Team did it for me back in the day, even though yeah. I was too young to see them. Like, I love that stuff, man. So anytime that Team USA plays, like all that talent put together, even though it's a little bit different and the world's definitely caught up, like obviously with Luca and Joker and Giannis, guys like that. But it's always just fun seeing like all that talent put together randomly and then seeing what they could do with it. And this Team USA team uh, squad, you know, they got some guys on there, some guys that are kind of – they have it – they're on their way up in the NBA. You know, they're yeah. the young, upcoming guys, Jalen Brunson, you know, which I know that hurts you seeing him in New York yeah. now and not Dallas, like absolutely brutal. But you got Kyrie now, so we'll see with that. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. in Memphis, Anthony Edwards, Austin Reeves, Hillbilly Kobe, the Sooner. You know, they got a lot of dudes, and they won today against Greece. Now, Greece didn't have Giannis, so, you know, it doesn't count as much. But, hey, 
you got to play who's in front of you. They beat Greece the other day. I don't know who they beat. They beat Germany just coming up. They're 2-0 in the World Cup. So it's just been fun to just kind of watch them a little bit. And, and yeah, Luca played today. Shea Gildress-Alexander's playing for Canada. Like, there's a lot of serious talent that the USA might face and they might have trouble with. You talk about Hillbilly Kobe, a.k.a. Austin Reeves. How about this? Since 1994, two Team USA players with 15-5-5 five and five in any international competition. LeBron James and Austin Reeves. Let's go, man. I love them. 15-5-6 against Greece uh, earlier I've, today. Yo, man, I've always shown love to the white boy in the league because it's tough. It's tough to make it. It's it tough to make it. It just is like shout out to the Kurt Heinrichs of the world, like the Christian Leitners, you know, JJ Reddicks. Like it is tough to have a double digit career in the NBA as a white boy. It just is. Yep. And Austin Reeves has made a name for himself. Like I, again, when he was coming out of Oklahoma, he was first team all big 12. So I knew he was nice, but I didn't think he was league nice. I thought he was China. Nice, you know, Europe. Nice which nothing to knock that those guys, a lot of those guys should be playing the NBA. It just depends on opportunity, but for real, man, like if you get into in a statistic with LeBron James, like a record or something like that with, you know, the King, that's pretty impressive. So Austin Reeves. Yeah. He's proved yeah. me wrong. That's for sure. Especially being the undrafted cat. Yeah. He was a pain in the ass at Oklahoma, man. He was tough to guard, but I'm with you. I mean, hell, all the NBA teams were with you. He didn't get drafted. So nobody thought he had the chance to, to be the type of player that he's been. And he got the bag this off season. Good for him. Did. You're right, man. I know it's tough as a white boy. It was tough for me to make the middle school team as a white boy. So, uh, you know, making it to the NBA, that's, I don't, <laughs> I don't even want to think about that, dude. My ass is over here getting cut from the eighth grade team for being too short. I don't think I ever told you this. I literally what? got cut from eighth grade basketball because I was too short. Yeah. I didn't grow until – like, I'm 6'2 right now. I grew yeah. late. But I was – man, I was one of the smallest kids, dude. I was short as hell. And we had a bunch of scrawny Jewish kids at my middle school. It's like we, <laughs> we, we were already the shortest team in the district. They didn't need another one of me out there. And the coach literally pulled me over. He's like, dude, like – we don't have a spot for you anymore. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, you're too short. I'm like, is that it? He's like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're pretty good, but you're just, you're not tall enough. And we're like the shortest team in the district and we're already getting swallowed out there and I need some size. So I'm bringing this guy in and I'm like, all right. And that Damn, was the end. Man. That was the end of my uh, like legit basketball career, which had really ended well before that. And yeah. I went home that day, Zay. And I'm like, I'm about to be the next Jordan, dude. That guy got cut from his <laughs> high school team. Became the GOAT. I'm about to be Jordan, but with middle school. So I went home and, like, practiced for an hour. And then I'm like, no, dude, I suck. Like, yeah. I ain't Jordan. I ain't shit. Like, I, sh I should quit while I'm behind right now. And that was, uh, that was the end of my basketball career. I need to go Damn, back and man. say what's up to that, that coach and teacher. Like, look yeah, how I am now, jerk. Yeah, come on now. This is what you That's missed what out saying. on. And then challenge his ass to one-on-one. -on -one, see where he's at now, <laughs> damn it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's BS. You should have threw around him. What about Muggsy Bowles, Earl Boinkins? Come on, man. Like, they yeah. were short guys. They made it. Spud Webb. Well, yeah, no, I I, I couldn't dunk like Spud Webb. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah that's, I, that's always a tough one. I was also pretty slow, too. Like, short and slow is is not a good combination in any sport. <laughs> it's good for talking about sports. It's not a lot of movement that goes on here. It's not good for playing sports. So, I learned I learned pretty early on that I wasn't going to make it too far in the, my athletic career, unfortunately. Damn, man, I'm sad to hear that, man, because yeah. you know the game. So, I feel like you, you being able to know the game and then put that out there, even if you're short and slow, that can make up for the lack of athleticism. You know what I'm saying? Just being in the right spot. I was trying to tell the coach, like, come on, man. I'm studying film yeah. right now. Who else yeah. is doing this? Who else is doing this at this age? And he's like, nah, no, you're not. And I'm like, no, I'm not. You're right. I'm not studying film. Oh, man. Where, where, when was the last time you hooped just like pick up? Dude, it's bad. Like, I, I mean, in college, in the first few years out of college, I was playing a decent amount, like at least once or twice a week. Uh, but Were you playing man, at Gregory? Sometimes at Greg, the uh, fraternity I was in actually had a court in the backyard, so I would just hoop at the oh, house a lot. Yeah. A lot of IMs at Gregory, just the occasional random pickup game there too. I worked intramurals also. I was like an IM ref in college. Oh, that's so I was like, yeah. yeah, whenever a court was open or I would just stay out a little later and, and, and play one-on-one or run pickup with whoever was out there. But, dude, it's been two years. Like okay. since I've like, dude, I, I barely even pick up a basketball anymore. It sucks. I'm afraid to see how bad I am right now. Like not that I was ever good. I was never the worst guy out there. I was far from the best guy out there, but now I'm worried. Like if I tried to go to the Y or to the J or to even Gregory, dude, I'd be, I'd be the worst guy out there now. Oh, bro. I hung up the kicks like three years ago. Like once I felt my knees, just oh. not working the right way when I was refing. This is just this isn't like change of direction or anything like that or any lateral type situation. Like this is just running back and well, it's a little change of direction because when there's a steal and stuff, you gotta turn the other way. But yeah. you feel it then and you'd be like, nah, if I could barely do this, I definitely can't hoop anymore. <laughs> so you ain't the only one, dog. And plus, oh. I got I got miles, man. Like people yeah, think you, that you made it a lot further. Than I did yeah. in your basketball career. You got some good stories to tell. I I, I got that shit. <laughs> Speaking of stories to tell, you mentioned or talk about Gregory a little bit. Ah, uh, some of my finest basketball moments were killing those Asians at Gregory. That's <laughs> fucking some of my finest moments. Yo, that's they would be. They probably are eighty percent of Gregory's hoop session. Yep. You know, the fine Asian community that goes to the University of Texas and they love basketball. So it's great. But man, when I touched down that Gregory, it was like Kobe Bryant going to China. <laughs> like it was it was something fierce, man. Oh. I would do stuff that wasn't even in my game. Fadeaways and, you know, different types of floaters with the right or left hand. Like, it was a different vibe going up against those guys. And then once those football players started trying to come in and hoop and stuff, like Jackson, Jeffcoat, and all those guys, and, uh, no, sir, that's when I – time to go. Yeah, I'm I got to go. I got class. Some came up. Oh, got to test worse. Nothing's worse than a football player trying to hoop. Nothing's oh. worse. They can't control their bodies. Yep. They, of course, love the physicality of it. Like, that's that's nothing to them. Like, they want that. 
So it completely disrespects and disregards any of the rules that are made for the game, like hand checking, like, oh, yeah, you get all that, which is pickup. So it's a certain amount of physicality. But that Gregory, though, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's where I draw my line, my friend. Like, yeah. I, I can't mess with that. I think what I you de- what you described you going up against the Asians I think is a hate crime with uh, the way you just <laughs> you just laid it out right there man I mean my God you're right though it, it, man at Texas just there were Asians all over Gregory Jim they were there they were running pickup nonstop man it was impressive just like oh my gosh every court they they came out in yeah. droves all the time to hoop and it's like damn. Like I, I, the stereotype is out there, like Asians in basketball. I get it, but it's like, oh, oh yeah. no, it's like it is true at the University of Texas, man. Yeah, they love it and they play yeah. hard and like I respect it. Yeah, I they're, respect they're, like without when you always see. Well, that's where James Harden. That's where he felt comfortable enough to just bash Daryl Morey and say Daryl Morey is a liar. I am never playing for him. I'll say it again. Daryl Morey is a liar. He yeah. told all those people in China that. So they get mad love when NBA superstars, when they go back in the summer, they get mad love in those Asian countries. Like they just love hoops. And obviously, you know, guys like Yao Ming have definitely paid the way. I know you remember Yi Jian Lian, that bust that he was, but <laughs> like they love their hoops, man. And yeah, it, it's cool. I think it's really cool, especially with watching this FIBA World Cup. Like that's one of the funnest things about watching things like this. I know you've seen the track team. They've done well in their qualifiers and stuff like that. But when you always see like (laughs) – I'm not seeing that. You might be seeing that. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Richardson, that girl that was smoking the chronic last year and they kicked her out the Olympics or whatever. She's back. Yeah, she's back and she's been just dominating. So, like, they're – since the Olympics is next year, a lot of qualifying stuff's been happening, but it's just cool to see all the countries compete and stuff. So that's one big reason why I like the World Cup and whatnot. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Like you said, I mean, it's, uh, you know, back to basketball. It is just this younger crop of stars that we have in the NBA. Like, not that I don't like watching the LeBrons and the Stephs and the, you know, those guys of the world just dominating international countries all of the time. Like, it's pretty fun to beat everybody by 50 points on every given night. But uh, yeah, no, getting to see like the future of the NBA, it's in pretty good hands, man. Like, you're right. Jalen Brunson is a star in this league now. Anthony Edwards, dude, that guy is. Like, get him out of Minnesota, please, so he can actually be on a competent franchise that has a shot to win a championship because that dude is developing into a superstar right now. Like, there's some fun talent on Team USA that, like, all right, I know it's not top of mind for everybody right now because, yeah, football season's basically back, and uh, people are excited about that. Obviously, baseball season is kind of in the home stretch, and, you know, both teams in Texas have a shot to make the playoffs this year, so everyone's attention is sort of diverted, but – there are enough compelling reasons, I think, to uh to check out this World Cup because there's there's a lot of good basketball being played right now. Yeah, I love Anthony Edwards, man. That dude, you're right. He's a bona fide star. He just doesn't know how good he is. Yeah. Right, well, he definitely knows how good he is. That might be the problem. I just think he doesn't have <laughs> his full potential yet. And once he gets to that food, uh, full potential, look out. Let's segue a little bit, BK. Let's get back to football. Talk about your beloved Dallas Cowboys who just got Trey Lance in a trade. 49ers said, yo, bruh, we're going to take Mr. Irrelevant over you. Sam Darnold, he's better than you. And we're, we want to get something back. 
the whole Trey Lance experiment didn't work, which I think seeing that it's going to be tough. Like you look at Carson Wentz, who also went to the same school, but didn't play big time college football. And those guys just went so high. Now, Carson Wentz, who knows what he would be now if he didn't tear his ACL when the Eagles won that Super Bowl. So that might not be the same thing, but that's a risk. Like Trey Lance was a huge risk going to North Dakota state. And then the 49ers trading all of those, you know, picks for the Dolphins to move up, which have you seen those picks? Like they turned that into Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill and Brandon Chubb and stuff like that. So like they're top dogs for Trey Lance. Like that looks really bad. And John Lynch, he owned it. He nutted up. He said, yo, we messed up. Like, we, I'll take responsibility. That's the game. Like, I've been in the NFL long enough. When I was on the Buccaneers and the Broncos, like, there were a lot of guys that came in that we thought were probably going to be good, and they just didn't pan out. Like, that's the way the NFL works. And Trey Lance, you kind of feel for him because was he given a fair opportunity? Probably not, but it's the NFL. They ain't fair. Nothing's fair in the NFL. They could care less. It's a business. So if you aren't, you know, if you aren't earning your keep, then next. That's why it's called not for long for a reason. So once Trey Lance broke his ankle in week two last year and you saw what Garoppolo and Brock Purdy did with all that talent, like they're at a win now point. Like San Francisco, they're one of my favorite teams to watch. Kyle Shanahan, I absolutely love their offense. Like, it seems like every position on their team, they have a top three player in the league. From Trent Williams at the offensive line, left tackle. Like, he's been good for 15 years, best tackle in the game. To George Kittle, top two guy. Debo Samuel, probably a top three Swiss Army knife guy where you put them everywhere. Christian McCaffrey, same with him. And they're very confident in Brock Purdy. So, it's win now. We ain't got no time to wait. And on the other side, even though you just lost D'Amico Ryans as a defensive coordinator, like you got dudes and Fred Warner and Hufunga and Nick Bosa whenever he comes back and, you know, they give him his money. But they're win now. And if Brock Purdy didn't get that UCL injury in the NFC championship game, who knows who would have came out of Philly and San Fran? Like, who knows? So Trey Lance, they ain't got time for you, bruh. And Dallas, very interesting move by Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones for a fourth-round pick. Some might say that's a little steep, but, hey, if you just look at him, Trey Lance being a number three pick in his draft, I don't think it's too bad. Yeah, I mean, look, for San Francisco, we'll start with them. You're right, they're in win-now mode. And I'm not going to sit here and say I don't think Trey Lance got a fair shot. I, I think if he was better the Niners would give him more opportunities, right? Like they would have moved on from Jimmy G sooner than they did if they believed in Trey Lance, but they kept bringing Jimmy G back as like that insurance policy because they weren't quite sure if Trey Lance was ready. And then obviously if they felt like he was still, still had had a chance, even a chance to be the best quarterback on their team, they're not trading him for a fourth round pick. Like they're going to run a legit quarterback competition between he and Brock Purdy. Hell, they might go into the season with both of those guys playing a little bit. Like they're going to do whatever they can to give Trey Lance that opportunity if they felt like he was the guy that they thought they were getting coming out of college. They clearly don't. They clearly don't. And that's why they were willing to eat this a little bit. I mean, this, Zay, this is going to go down as one of the worst draft day trades in NFL history. I mean, you talked about it. Everything that the Niners gave up and what Miami was able to turn those picks into 
and you look at some of the players that were drafted right after Trey Lance. I don't know if you've seen this list, but here are the guys who were selected after Trey Lance in 2021. Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Panay Sewell, J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertan, Devontae Smith, Justin Fields, Micah Parsons, Rashawn <laughs> Slater. I'm not like picking and choosing like, oh, all of those guys went somewhere in that draft. No, those were all of the consecutive picks right after Trey Lance. Six of those guys are already pro bowlers. So if the Niners just took one of them, or by the way, they had the 12th overall pick, they moved up to three, Micah Parsons went number 12. Like they could have stayed there and taken that dude and had him on the opposite side as Nick Bosa. Like they screwed it up. They gave up three first round picks to draft this guy and they ended up trading him for a fourth round pick. And yeah, Lance only played eight games for the Niners. That's the fewest by a top five pick for a debut team in the common draft era. So this is like, I mean, even if Trey, like if Trey Lance is good in Dallas, then it's going to look even worse that they gave up on him. But even if Trey Lance sucks and he just doesn't amount to anything in the NFL and he's this total bust that it kind of looks like right now, uh, what the Niners did a few years back, that's one of the worst draft day moves of all time. Yeah, that list. Wow. All those players that you name are big time players like Micah Parsons, Patrick Sustan, second. Like, those are some absolute dudes. And, and on one side, the 49ers, it looks like trash. Because they moved all those picks to get Trey Lance. They moved up all those picks to get Trey Lance. And on the other side, they're like, but we picked Brock Purdy for the last pick of the draft. So we're geniuses in that sense. Like, where do you see the scouting? And that's just the NFL. It could go either way just like that. But as far as Dak Prescott and his psyche, like I know you saw the presser when they asked him about it, and he said he didn't know it was happening. Like, oh, well, like Dak – Again, this shouldn't affect you at all. If anything, this should just light a fire under you. You yeah. know, just any yeah. type of motivation, Dak Prescott could use that. Because last year, even though I thought a lot of other things went wrong for the Cowboys, to Kellen Moore, et cetera, et cetera, you know, it wasn't just Dak's 17 lead leading interceptions. You know, it wasn't just those problems. I, that sticks out the most. And I know with Trey Lance now coming to Dallas and you still got Cooper Cup and stuff there, people are like, oh, man, what was Dak going to say? Like, how's he going to feel? Like, Dak really shouldn't care. Like, this doesn't affect him one bit. We know that Dak is Jerry's guy, Mike McCarthy's guy, and Big Mike. He has a lot of responsibility now calling plays, sending Kellen Moore over there to uh, Los Angeles. So, yeah, I for Dak's psyche, it makes no difference. Now, Trey Lance's psyche, you talk about him, again, coming back from an ankle injury, maybe him and Dak, maybe they'll bond on that because Dak, he came back from that horrific injury, which I don't think he's been the same to that. He don't run as much. Me and Chip talked about it. I heard you and Bucky talking about it. Like, it is known that Dak Prescott doesn't like to run as much as he did before that horrific injury and Trey Lance coming back to San Francisco. All we've heard in camp was he doesn't look good. Well, I talk about it a lot. His body might be there. He might be cleared by the medical staff, but is he there mentally? Like has his mental caught up with his physical? And I don't think it has yet. I don't think he's comfortable saying, okay, I want to play this way due to, that injury that he took in week two. So Trey Lance is young. I hope 
wished him the best, you know, now that he's in Dallas, like, you know, that's tough. Like you go from a big historic franchise in San Fran to America's team, you know, and probably every time Dak has a bad game, people are going to be looking down that bench like, okay, I don't know what Trey Lance number is going to be, but hey, when we, when we might maybe going to give him a shot and, you know, it's the NFL. Guys don't really bench guys very often, but yeah, I, it's going to be an interesting year in 2023 and kind of like the Texas Longhorns with the Dallas Cowboys, they have a lot of aspiration. They have a lot of goals in mind because, you know, Brock Purdy didn't play well in that playoff game last year. The defense, they were all over them. They yeah. held that very high-powered San Francisco offense to in the teens. So if you make a couple of more throws, Dak, or don't make a couple of more decisions, you're going up to Philly next week. And that just wasn't the case. And those are the three teams in the NFC that I think are going to be battling it out to get to the Super Bowl once again. Yeah, they should have played Zeke at center more in that game against San Francisco. <laughs> that, was, that was why the Cowboys offense couldn't get anything going. You know, I wonder, did the Cowboys make this move because they wanted to finally beat San Francisco? Like, the Niners have knocked the Cowboys out of the playoffs the last two years, so let's go get somebody who knows the Niners' playbook, and we'll do it right before the season gets here. So clearly, like, anything that they've implemented <laughs> new this year, Trey Lance is going to know about. Like, is that part of the equation here for Dallas? I'm trying to figure out, you know, if they're going to use Trey Lance this year, right? Like, my, my hope is, I mean, Dak's the starting quarterback for all 17 games this season. He stays healthy, and he plays well enough to where there's no debate, like you're talking about, to where people are like, oh, you know, should they make a move at quarterback? Not. I hope that doesn't happen and whatever. But do they have sub-package plans for Trey Lance? Like, is he going to be the running quarterback? Is he going to be a short yardage type of gadget guy, uh, a red zone type of gadget guy at times this season? Are they going to trust him to do something like that? Or is he literally just a third-string quarterback on this team? Like, I don't know. I'm fascinated to see how the Cowboys use him, if they use him at all. Like right now, I, I I have more faith in Cooper Rush to go win a game than Trey Lance. Like Cooper Rush is 4-1 yeah. and one over the last couple of years in Dallas. Cool. Like Trey Lance, what has Trey Lance done? So if Dak has to miss a significant amount of time this year, then I want to see what Trey Lance has. But it's like if Dak gets hurt at halftime or in the third quarter of a game, then I think Cooper Rush is the first guy off the bench. So – I wonder, like, what what exactly do the Cowboys have in store for Trey Lance? Uh, they just felt like the deal was too good to get a top three pick, a former top three pick in the fourth round, and they felt like they had to pull the trigger. I don't know. I don't know exactly what what they're trying to do or what their plan is with Trey Lance because it's it's very weird. And I've read a lot, and I've seen a lot, and I've heard a lot from people telling me kind of what they think the Cowboys' reasoning is for this, but I can't quite figure out exactly why they got this done and what their goal is here. Yeah. Yeah. But at least Jerry and Steven are making moves. You look at Bradley cooks, you look at Stefan Gilmore. Sometimes those guys are a little conservative with their money and, you know, they're finally making moves, but look who is oh. joining the show. Look who is on basically for the two o'clock hour. Oh, he's muted again. He's muted again? <laughs> Can you hear him? No, I don't hear him. It's the headphones. Something's wrong with the headphones and the cord. Oh, no. 
that beautiful background with the VY Sports Illustrated, and we can't hear my guy. All that great knowledge. I don't can't know what's hear going him. on. You got to get Chip joining his own show, but he's not ready to join his own show. <laughs> After rename this Zay and BK, what's going on? I don't oh, know. It's, it's weird. It's, it's not showing up like his mic is muted on the screen. Is it? Can you hear oh, me? There we go. Yes. Yes. You can hear me now? Yeah. Can you hear us? Yes. All right. I'm leaving. Y'all have fun. I'll be listening. Hey, of course, hey, guys. You're the man. Love you. All right. So, Zay, I, uh, I, I've just come back from the University of Texas where we were talking to Steve Sarkeesian. He was blasting Brett Yormark. Um. Talking to Quinn Ewers, Xavier Worthy, Ryan Watts, and uh, and I'm sitting there and I'm I'm listening to all of it. And first of all, loved Sarkeesian getting after Brett Yormark. That's what I'm talking uh, about, baby. I thought he clipped him. I thought he clipped him. Nice, you know. Yeah. He said. Uh, he said, you know, I got a letter from the commissioner about sportsmanship the day before that speech. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out what are we promoting to our student athletes and then to go say those type of things. I'm guessing he's not going to be having his Thanksgiving dinner with us the night before the game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And if he does, that turkey's going to be cold, real cold, raw. It's going to be Tom. It's going to be some Tom Herman. Uh, type of Thanksgiving dinner. Cold, wet, <laughs> soggy, burnt. Yeah. That kind of Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. Burnt dressing, mac and cheese ain't baked, like some easy mac stuff. Yeah, man. I see, I was waiting for that, Chip, because I was wondering what he was gonna say. And you know, I'm sure that he said it as classy as he could, but he is that he does have to protect his players, you know. And with what Brett Yormark said last week was so childish, was just classless. And Steve Sarkeesian, him firing back, I have no problem with that. Because, and I like what you said, like him talking about the commission and the letter. I'm glad he put that out. Because you got to practice what you preach, Brett. And I get it. You came from Jay-Z, so you kind of got that hip-hop background where beefs are very common. But, no, the position that you're in, you can't do stuff like that. And Sark, hey, those were fighting words, and I like that Sark clip back at him. Like, that's what you have to do to protect your players and let them know, hey, it's us against the world, fellas. Yeah, it's us against the world. And Sarkeesian was ready, and – Brett Yormark, the Vince McMahon of the uh, Big 12, has been put on notice. And <laughs> he ain't getting no Thanksgiving dinner in Austin, Texas. Let's put it that way, unless he is bringing it himself. So um, I thought, you know, everything I'm looking at, say, everything I'm looking at this week involving the Longhorns is really through the prism of the Alabama game next week. Like everything from, you know, I, everything, the injuries, we, we, you know, Sark said Mo Blackwell's going to be out a couple, couple weeks, uh, but everyone else is available. Okay. So team's pretty, pretty healthy. 
Uh, we don't have a depth chart yet. Um, I thought it was interesting that he said when he was asked about the backup quarterback job that that competition would run like through Thursday before wow before he would name some I'm like oh Steve be careful be careful Steve don't don't launch a a, a major apple white Chris Sims thing here don't don't put the youngin out there too fast <laughs> um because this thing can take on a life of its own I mean let's be honest if uh if you look at this Rice game, I mean, they should they should dominate, right? Texas should dominate this game. And it it would be a situation where Quinn Ewers plays, you know, three quarters, something like that. And then all of a sudden, who's coming in next? Malik Murphy or Arch Manning? And I would say, I mean, you got to earn it. If Arch Manning's just lighting it up and tearing it up and he's just notably better than Malik Murphy, then okay. But – I find that hard to believe just because Steve Sarkeesian says he doesn't like to play first-year quarterbacks. And Malik Murphy's in his second year in the system. Malik Murphy's a big, grown man who's, you know, physically ready. Because here I'm thinking about Tuscaloosa. Okay, if if something happens to Quinn Ewers in Tuscaloosa, who's coming out there? Who's coming out there to replace him? Is it first-year quarterback Arch Manning, you want to throw him in that cauldron? Or is it Malik Murphy who's got some, you know, he's been in the system, he's he's been in this in the meetings longer, he's got the big personality, this team will play for him. I just found I found that interesting. Maybe it was nothing, maybe it was something, but I'm 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 keeping an eye on that because quarterback is the one position where you don't rotate. You don't rotate. You you stick with your guy, and and then when the game's out of hand, he takes a rest, and here comes the here comes the backups. But um, I'm looking at the running back position. I asked Sark about Jonathan Brooks and C.J. Baxter. He basically made them sound like they're the same, and I'm like, wow, okay. So we might have we might have what C.J. Baxter running out there first. Is that what you want in Alabama? Like, I'm just saying. I, I, Jonathan Brooks has been, again, third year in the program. Um, third year with Steve Sarkeesian. I like Jonathan Brooks, but, you know, Steve Sarkeesian is, makes the big bucks, and he's the offensive. He's the, he's the guru. So I'm, I'm watching this. Obviously, the bigger question is, how does Quinn Ewers look? Because Quinn Ewers, this is your moment. That we, you changed your body, you changed your mindset. You, he says, I feel confident. He's been the guy. Sark anointed him after the spring. He's been the guy, and he's he's said today, I, I feel more confident. Okay, so now I want to see that translate. I want to see all these new toys they have in the receiver room. I mean. Everything I'm watching this week is through the prism of what is Texas taking to Tuscaloosa next week. 
Yeah, and I don't know if you saw, but everybody in their mama college game day has Texas winning the Big 12 and going to the college football playoff, and that's a lot of pressure. That's a huge bullseye on their back for a lot of guys that haven't been there and done that. Now, you're Sark's done all the right things, this coaching staff with recruiting and development. They've done all the right things to where you're in a situation where you should be that, just like the Blue Bloods, you know, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia. You should be just like those guys, but only at those places, the backup quarterback spot is just a huge topic. And that's interesting, Chip, that Sark just threw out there, hey, Arch and Malik are battling out till Thursday. Like, what else do you need to see at this point? Like, how those guys game plan? Like, you want to see them go over the scouting report with Rice and then see how they look in practice to make you feel confident? But, I mean, with the way 7-on-7 now is in high school and the way that these guys get to campus early in January, you saw this weekend, Chip, in Notre Dame and USC, Zachariah Branch for USC – that dude looked like their best player. He's a freshman. Jaden Greyhouse from Notre Dame, he had two touchdowns. The Westlake kid up in Dublin. Like, these freshmen are coming in ready. And Lincoln Riley and Marcus Freeman had the confidence to put those guys there. So when you talk about Arch Manning, if he's, if he's beating Malik Murphy out of a spot, hey, it is what it is, bro. And I get it. Sark doesn't want to put freshman quarterback out there. Last year, he felt like he was obligated to with Quinn Ewers, but also Quinn Ewers had a year at Ohio State, so that's very different than coming just straight out of high school. But, yeah, I I would be a little nervous if Arch Manning was number two, but also I have to trust Sark and say, hey, if he beat Malik Murphy out fair and square and you feel like if something were to happen to Quinn yours, that 16 could come in and get it done, then so be it. Like that's what it has to be. But yeah, man, I freshmen just aren't the same. And yeah, that's going to be a nuts environment. You got Nick Saban, which that's a whole nother aura in itself. Like that's Sarkeesian going up against his idol basically, or the guy, you know, a Papa bear like figure. Uh oh, Chip. I can't hear you. Uh oh. What happened? What did you press, dog? We are having technical difficulties. The, oh, I heard something for a second and then it went off. How's this? Can you hear me now? Yeah, I hear you now. There you go. You're good. Yeah, I mean, Saban is the guy who gave who gave Sark life as a coach, gave him that second chance. So, listen, Sark knows what's at stake. I thought, you know, I call me crazy because every single thing that I'm looking at this week is about next week. And um, no offense to Rice. I mean, look, Rice has JT Daniels. That dude was a five-star quarterback coming out of modern day was throwing it to Amon Ross St. Brown. In fact, Xavier Worthy said today, yeah, I used to watch JT Dan. I was up in Fresno. I used to watch JT Daniels throw it to Amon Ross St. Brown. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's like. Yo, that dude, that dude's my age. I don't know yeah. how he has eligibility left. I mean. from Morgantown. I don't know how he has eligibility left. 
And Rice had a receiver named Brad Rosner who who would have been in his eighth year, but he transferred to NC State. It's crazy, yeah. man, this transfer portal. And JT Daniels is the poster child for the transfer portal. Four schools, <laughs> six years, three times he's been to DKR. This is third time Saturday. I mean, he was here last year with West Virginia. You know what's crazy is he threw both times he came to Texas. He attempted 48 passes and and uh, completed like 30 in both games with USC and West Virginia. It's crazy. And he got sacked three times in each game. So it's like, I mean, the guy is kind of a carbon copy of, uh, of himself whenever he comes to, to Texas. And, and now we got to see, he's got, he's got uh, Luke McCaffrey. Yeah. He attempted 30, he attempted 48 passes when he was with USC in 2018, he attempted 48 passes last year against Texas with West Virginia. He completed 30 with USC. He completed 29 last year. I mean, so that stuff, you know, I mean, he's averaged 30 of 48 passing for just under 300 yards. Uh, He had one touchdown last year. He had one interception when he was with USC and he got sacked three times in both games. So the dude can sling it. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, Rice fancies itself as a pro style. Uh, they want to grind you. They're, he came from Stanford, uh, Bloomgren, the head coach. He, he plays with those multiple tight end sets, heavy sets. They want to pound you. Now, they you know, they were five and eight last year. So let's not get carried away. And they lost the some conference dudes USA. from last year. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're picked to finish 12th in the American. I mean, let's not the, the point spread is 35, and Texas, Texas needs to cover the 35. Um, and they should. And everyone yeah. wants to see the the new. I mean, what are you looking forward to seeing, Zay? Of all the stuff we've been talking about, what are you most looking forward to seeing on Saturday? Um, no mercy. That's what I look forward to seeing. You know, me and BK talked about before you jumped on, you know what's ahead of you next weekend in Tuscaloosa. So you need to send a message not only to Alabama, but to everybody in the country that this ain't the same old Texas team that had a lot of aspirations but never lived up to them. You can't do that. All that stuff, nah. There's just too much going on. You need to send a message. If you ain't scoring over 50 points, we, I'm going to come on the show next week with you and be very disappointed. I am. Even with the new rules and stuff with the, you know, non-stopping clock after you get the first down, which that's a thing. That's I saw that affect USC in that first half where San Jose, they held the ball for a very long time with that clock running, and Caleb Williams wasn't able to get out on the field. That's why you saw 21-14, and then they just ran it up on him. So, you know, that that's going to be a thing. We'll see when it affects Texas this season. But, yeah, man, like they need no mercy. Like, you know who your opponent is. This is Rice. You just talked about their record, their pick 12 in the AAC this year. Like, you should stop them. And I'm talking about going back to C.J. Baxter 
and the Jonathan Brooks battle, like that's very surprising. But to what I said about Jaden Greyhouse and Zachariah Branch, Notre Dame and USC, freshmen, it don't matter. If you earn the spot, then it is yours and you need to make the best out of it. And if this guy with his pass protection, if that's been on point, CJ Baxter, and he's got all the plays down and he has a good chemistry with Quinn yours and he understands this offensive line and understands when to, you know, pick and choose his holes and stuff and to shard choice, which I believe a lot to shard choice. Like I believe that taking that type of talent from Florida as a five-star player and CJ Baxter, you could get him right and get him ready for when you go to Tuscaloosa, you ain't tripping. You ain't phased about, oh, is this kid going to be able to handle the moment? Like, hell yeah, this is what this kid wanted. Like, I'm sure Alabama was on his radar. I know Florida State and Florida were, but Alabama, they sent him letters too. Nick Saban probably called that household. Like, so he knows SEC country being from that area. And, yeah, he might have a few nerves at first, but once you start playing, a lot of those nerves go away. So all those freshmen, Malik Muhammad, Jonte Cook, Ryan Niblett, DeAndre Moore, C.J. Baxter, even Arch Manning, all of those freshmen, like – they, I have confidence in them. I really do. And that linebacker room is already a little hurt with Mo Blackwell being out. Like it's already a little thin. So Leola LaFowle, Anthony Hill, y'all too. <laughs> Next man up. And yeah, no mercy against Rice this week. I'm looking for an absolute beatdown to where you could not allow your ones starting fire, starting ones to be in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah. And last, what, two years ago, it was what, 58 to 10, um, Texas over rice. I'm, I'm expect, I, I get it. JT Daniels is, is the quarterback, but, um, I'm, I'm expecting a, a similar outcome. Um, at least a point, uh, cover and, and so they're 58, nothing. God, it was 58, nothing two years ago. I'll take um, that. Yeah. You take that. Take that. That was, uh, let's see what it was at halftime for that one. It was, uh, yeah, it was 44, nothing at halftime. They scored 14 points and then they, they shut it down and probably just handed the ball off. But this is, uh, you know, I thought it, it, you know, and then you kind of bring it back to to Steve Sarkeesian and and is he ready? Can he handle managing everything? And um, you know, he's brought in Paul Chris to help him to figure out maybe some power running nuances. You've got you got these new receivers in AD Mitchell and and you got Isaiah Nayer coming back from injury, you know, John Tate Cook and um, how do they incorporate that? Is Worthy in the slot? Are the two big guys outside? That This is your game to kind of experiment a little bit, but I'm also intrigued by how much do you show in this game? Because if you don't have to, it's like the orange-white game. I mean, if you can pound them and, and get it done with the running game, then get it done with the running game. I mean, do whatever you got to do to be ready for next week. Uh, against Alabama because that's that's going to be a, a defining moment of your season. And when Steve Sarkeesian, who's got now Joe D. Camillus 
a 30-year NFL special teams coach helping him with game management. I want, I want everything to look smooth. I want to see how that looks. I want to see if, you know, like, like you said, with the new clock rules, it's not, the clock's not stopping for a first down anymore unless it's in the final two minutes. So let's see it look smooth. Let's see the plays come in and no pre-snap penalties. Let's see it look smooth because, look, the best teams don't beat themselves. And I get it. You can have a little bit of rust first week. And the goal is to get better every week, week to week improvement. That's a sign of a well-coached team. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all about what, uh, um, what this team looks like heading into week two. So, you know, Xavier Worthy sounds like a, a new, a new man. He says, I've matured. He said, I, I used to get frustrated and one thing would lead to another. He said that today. He said, I've learned to mature and to let things roll off my back, move on to the next. And when I asked Xavier Worthy, who's, who's improved the most from, you know, last year to this year, he said, Quinn, no doubt, Quinn. So uh, this team believes in Quinn yours. I can't wait to see it. He's the slim you know, he's the Jenny Craig Quinn Ewers. <laughs> Say, he's down, man. He's down from 218 to like 200. I hope he's still got enough meat on those bones to handle some hits. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Our guy Joe said just left Chick-fil-A. Quinn Ewers was not in the building, just saying. And just Quinn saying. said that that's what he had to stop eating. That's what helped get him down about 20 something pounds. And I love hearing that from Zay Wordy. I love hearing that, you know, he's matured and he understands that, Hey, next play, you're going to drop balls, man. It happens. You are human. It's part of the game. Jerry Rice dropped balls. Tim Brown dropped balls. Randy Moss. The greats have all dropped balls, but what the greats do, Hey, it erases their memory right after that. Because they know next play might be going to me again. And you got to take advantage of that. So Xavier Worthy, him having that type of mindset is huge, not only for him, but for this team and that success. And him talking about Quinn, like, that's what you have to do as a quarterback coming into year two. Like last year, from him getting hurt early in the Alabama game, like that knocked his confidence off. And then realizing that, hey, it's not always going to be 49-0. We're not always going to play somebody like Oklahoma. Like every time that I play, there's just more and more film on me for these defensive coordinators and these defenses to stop me. So I can't be arrogant in my mechanics and throwing off my back foot and sailing the ball. Like everything has to be on point. And what you've heard all offseason, even in the uh, um, Washington game and the Alamo Bowl chip, you kind of saw just that muff of the last game of the season with Kansas to Washington. You already saw the growth there of just getting in the film room, tightening up all the little things that a quarterback needs to be successful, even the great ones, and then coming in with a new mentality now that he's had 
all that time off from the Alamo Bowl until now. He's been doing all the right things, eating right, becoming a better vocal leader, telling guys to shut up in the locker room. I'm talking. I'm, y'all need to shut the hell up. I am talking. What I have to say is important, and everybody buying into that. So that's what you want as a QB1. And even though Quinn Ewers is still a little soft-spoken to me, like I think he's improved in that, and he's improved in a lot of things. And that's a big reason why this Texas team has so much upside. Yeah. Yeah. Before we get to the chip shot, Zay, you want to tell everyone about uh, the Covert Auto Group? Yeah, man. Shout out to Covert Auto Group, our new sponsor, Covert and B-Caves. They are a great dealership in the greater Auster area for a hundred years. Covert Auto Group has been committed to providing customers with a high quality selection of new and pre-owned vehicles. Shout out to the one on BK. BK, excuse me, not BK. <laughs> Sorry about that. And Covert B-Cave, they have Three new states, excuse me, new state and auto dealerships carrying seven bounds, seven brands, Buick, GMC, Cadillac, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. That's seven for you. Check out covertbcave.com for your latest specials and inventory. Covert BK, we're going to be doing some shows there, I hear. Not this coming Friday, but the next one in preparing for the Alabama game, all home games. So we'll be over there, I think. I don't know every Friday, every home game chip, but a lot of those Fridays, I know you won't be able to make it because you got a lot going on before the games. But yeah, BK, Trey, Bucky, a lot of those guys will be over there at Covert B Cave. I love it. I love it. Let's go. Let's um, go. Hey, Texas Sports Unfiltered, baby. Here, here we go. Here we come. Um, for today's chip shot, I want to talk about Steve Sarkeesian for a moment because um you know this is this is the year for Steve Sarkeesian there's no doubt about it he he had to get his his uh his culture in 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 year 1 he had he didn't have his players year 2 he did a great job of bringing in you know offensive line talent uh improving you know bringing in Quinn Ewers i mean he made huge uh uh, pickups in the transfer portal, Ryan Watts. And then this year brings in Anthony Hill and John Tate cook and Arch Manning in this loaded uh, CJ Baxter. It's, it's one five-star after another. And, and now you've got this mix of experience and youth. You've got the quarterback room. You've got, you've got what appears to be uh, a standout defensive line. You've got a, a bunch of returners on the offensive line. And so everyone is approaching this year, as you just said, Zay, you've got all the guys on ESPN, Desmond Howard's got Texas and people cringe at that because Desmond Howard had Texas A&M in the college football playoff like a year ago. And yeah, his college football playoff last year was terrible. It was tough. terrible. So, but the bottom line is everyone kind of agrees that Texas is the most talented team in the big 12. And it kind of feels like the only way they can screw this thing up is if they screw it up themselves. And everyone wants to see if Steve Sarkeesian can manage the whole thing. If he can manage calling the plays and 
the game management and have it run smoothly. He's got the the pieces on offense that he needs to to spread defenses out and keep them off balance. And so everyone's waiting to see uh, if Steve Sarkeesian, who has only won nine games as a head coach, that's kind of the knock on him. And I don't know that that's fair because he's, you know, he won nine um, at USC in year one when he still had the scholarship limitations from Lane Kiffin's problems. Um, and, and then the next year at USC, he was fired five games into the year because of, you know, the, the issues that he was having there. I think Steve Sarkeesian gets it. I think he knows he's, he knows what it looks like. He worked with Pete Carroll. They won two national championships together. Then he goes to Nick Saban. He won a national championship with Nick Saban in 2020. He knows what it looks like. He's got good coaches around him. He's attracted special assistants uh, like Gary Patterson last year and Paul Christ and Joe D. Camillus this year. But now we have to see it. Now we have to see it all come together. And talking season is over. We're heading into um, you know, putting it on the putting it on putting it on the tape, putting it on the field, showing everybody what you've got. And this is the moment that he's been waiting for. This is the moment that we've been waiting for. And I think everyone's gonna have a feeling coming out of this Saturday about 6.30, uh, what this team is about. And did I see enough in that four hours to think that they can go to Tuscaloosa next week and, you know, not only be competitive, but have a chance to win that game. I think they're like a six, six and a half point underdog right now. And, you know, I think that's, I think I would take Texas to cover that at this point because of the fact that they've got more answers, it appears, unless Saban's laying in the weeds about this quarterback situation, which he could be. Saban's no dummy. He knows how to, you know, play the rope-a-dope and, oh, you know, we're trying to figure it out over here. And meanwhile, they're just poleaxing on offense and practice and looking like monsters. We'll see. We'll see. A lot of people predicting, you know, Alabama takes a step back this year because of two new coordinators and the the quarterback question. Haven't had a quarterback question since 2015. Now, Alabama did go on to win the national championship that year. They did lose a home game at night to Ole Miss, in 2015, but they did go on to win the national championship that year. Don't, don't forget that. So, um, you know, the 20 game home winning streak that Alabama has the, the fact that they're so dominant at, at home at night, all that's going to be happening next week. And, and I want to see how Steve Sarkeesian manages everything. Um, and you know, it shouldn't be too, too heavy of lifting, on Saturday, but this is where it starts. And, and if he's been able to look in the mirror and see where his slip is showing and get that, get that right, then man, this could be a special year. If, if not, then it, it might not 
it might might not be what everyone hopes, but either way, uh, Steve Sarkeesian and his ability to manage everything, which I think he's done a nice job of up to this point. But hey, we're about to play the games now. This is where it right. matters. All the all the stuff that he said at Big Twelve Media Days sounded so great. Okay, here we go. Now it's time we're gonna we're gonna turn on the lights. We're gonna see what this team's all about. See how strong this culture is, and see what what these guys are made of and see how Steve Sarkeesian presides over all of it. And this is a enormous year for Steve Sarkeesian because this is where he can rewrite the script. He can change the narrative. He was the the coach who blew it at USC needed Nick Saban to give him a, a second chance, won a national championship as a coordinator, which he'd already done. Now let's see, is he, does he have what it, it takes does he have that intestinal fortitude does he have that metal to be as successful as his mentors pete carroll and nick saban this is really um you know a, a golden opportunity for him to change that narrative to to make everybody look at him differently and i can't wait to see it i can't wait to see it so yeah let's get it on. right yeah, you're absolutely right, Chip. It starts this week, and I think every Texas fan and a lot of people are already writing the dub for Rice, but everybody's going to be watching on Saturday, 2.30. Is this team good enough to beat an Alabama Nick Saban coach team? Like, that's the question you're going to be asking, and – with Steve Sarkeesian's track record, like that gives you a little bit of doubt as a head coach. Again, like you said, he was nine and three in one year at Southern Cal, but other than that, we haven't seen much as a head coach. We know that he's been with winners under Pete Carroll and guys like Nick Saban, but can he do it for his own program or will he get in the situations where a lot of people will be questioning is this guy wearing too many hats? Is this guy just a really good offensive coordinator and not a head coach? That's a thing that will always be over his head until he makes some changes. And this Texas team, they have everything in place to make that happen. And, you know, everything, you want everything to be clean on Saturday. You want there to be not very many penalties. You want guys to be locked in, not very missed tackles, missed assignments offensively. Like everything needs to be on point because we know September 9th is the true test. So, yeah, I think this Texas team, as good as anybody in the nation, has a chance to really make something happen. And I was telling BK, I think there's a lot of parody in college football this year. And you look at Texas' schedule, like it's tough. It's a lot tougher than people give it credit for. Like you're already going week four up to Waco against Dave Aranda's team. Then the next week after that, you're pay, uh, playing the big 12 player of the year, preseason player of the year in Daniels. Then you got the cotton bowl the next week. So those three games is going to say a lot coming off of that Alabama game. And you're going to be tested really early, but you know, staying healthy in years past, that was a must. This year, yes, you need some key guys to stay healthy, but 
with how deep the roster is. Some guys could get hurt, like we already see Mo Blackwell getting hurt. I'm not tripping off that. No offense to Mo Blackwell at all. No mama calls him stinker. I ain't going to call him stinker. That's just me. Can't, can't call another man stinker. I just can't do it. I just can't do it. I'm sorry, mama. That's your thing. I'm going to leave that to you. But with him being out, I'm not tripping on that because now I know Anthony Hill going to get more reps. Leona LaFowle going to get more reps. And I want to see those young freshmen. I've been hearing a lot of good things about LaFowle coming from Hawaii. You know, show me something. Show me something. And we know what Anthony Hill is supposed to be, but what is he going to be this year? Again, those freshmen, that don't mean nothing. You saw Zachariah Branch, USC. You saw Jalen Greyhouse, Notre Dame. Those guys both had two touchdowns in their debut games in college football. It does not mean anything about how young you are. If you are good enough to be thrown out there, then you deserve a shot. So, again, with Sark and this crew – this very good coaching staff that he has on this uh, on this team, like those guys in the second half or when the second half comes around, you don't need nobody to be scared. Oh, I don't want to tell Sark this and that. Like this is his team and stuff. Like you were hired for a reason. We talked about it last week. A's hire A's, B's hire C's. Like that's a real thing. So Sark needs to take what those guys are giving them and apply it to the second half because we saw last year – there were too many times where they had second half woes. You put up 30 some points in the second or in the first half and then come back with like three and six and just not running the football when you should and giving the ball to Quinn Ewers a little bit too much. Like that, those things can't happen. And if I'm hearing CJ Baxter, like you said, if Sark's still deciding between CJ Baxter and Jonathan Brooks, that means you believe in him to get the ball when it's time to run the ball. When it's time to shove it down the team's throat and waste some clock. We talked about the new rules, only two minutes in the end of the game. That's when the clock's going to stop when you get the first downs. Like now you could really run the ball down team's throats and you might need that in Bama. You really might like just to take the ball out of their hands. Like you just never know. College football is a wild thing. So I'm very excited to see what this team is all about. Like we're finally here, all the anticipation, all the expectation with this team. We are finally here. I know those guys, they're ready to play. They're tired of being up on each other. Like it's not like the NFL where they, you know, in training camp, they still practice with against other teams, the teams that they're going to play in the preseason game. Like you just go against yourselves, <laughs> you know, in college football. That's all you do. So I know they're tired of it. They want to hit somebody else. And even though JT Daniels is an experienced quarterback with all those stops and stuff like that, like, it don't matter. It don't matter who you throw out there for Rice because, yo, y'all should handle y'all's business. With that talent on that roster, this game shouldn't matter. You just want to come out of it healthy and you want to be able to prep yourself for week two. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. All right. Before we get to Zay's take and breaking news that Colt McCoy has been released by the Arizona Cardinals. I want to tell you about my man, Dr. Greg Eckert and Brain Vault for years. uh, Dr. Eckert dentistry has been uh, providing patients with the best dental care you can possibly find general dentistry, advanced dentistry, sports dentistry. They can do it all. And they want to give you a smile that is worth smiling about. Give them a call at 512-345-3166. 
or check them out online at Dr. Eckert. That's Dr. U-E-C-K-E-R-T dot com. Dr. Eckert is your Austin dentist and Dr. U is doing some awesome work with Brain Vault as well. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. If you're associated with an Austin area football team, a coach, a parent, a grandparent, and you want to make sure your players are as safe as possible, check out brainvault.com and schedule a fitting. So, Zay, um, I know we got we got uh, Zay's take, but uh, our man uh, Joseph just uh, tipped us off. And sure enough, uh you got Colt McCoy released by the Arizona Cardinals. And there was speculation that he was going to be the, the starting quarterback for the season opener against the Washington commanders while Kyler Murray continues to uh, recover from that ACL tear uh, suffered last season, but the Cardinals um, new coach, Jonathan Gannon, hope this guy knows what he's doing um, has been, you know, kind of coy about the team's starter while Murray is out. Uh, they have rookie Clayton Toon from University of Houston. They have veteran David Blau, who, if you watched Hard Knocks last year with the Detroit Lions, he was one of the backup quarterbacks there. Um, those two took the snaps against the Vikings uh, in Saturday's preseason game. And then the Cardinals just traded for quarterback Josh Dobbs, the former Tennessee quarterback. And and then, sure enough, as NFL teams are cutting down to 53 today, um, Colt McCoy, one of the cuts from the Arizona Cardinals. So, um, man, Colt's been a – he's just been a rock-solid backup. It's hard to believe he's 36 years old now. Um, had a 3-3 three and three record in spot starts as the backup to Kyler Murray over the past two seasons, um, he's just been solid, you know, and, and now the Cardinals have said, we're going to, we're going to go in a younger direction. Um, and so Colt McCoy, part of the cut list today is the NFL gets down to 53. Yeah. In my opinion, I think they're going in a tanking direction ship because Colt McCoy will win you a few games just by his preparation every week. We know Colt, like, he's a gamer. He loves the game, him coming from that small town here in Texas. Like, he eats, sleeps, and craps the game. Like, this dude, he takes it very seriously. And we all know the Arizona Cardinals, like, this Kyler Murray thing, they might say they still believe in guy, but I think if they have the number one pick, they would select that guy, Caleb Williams, who went 18 for 25 this past weekend and four touchdowns, the former Heisman Trophy winner that's trying to go back to back. So, yeah, I it, it hurts just because, you know, you know, the clock is ticking for Colt, like him being 36 years old. He's had a great NFL career. Obviously, he didn't pan out as a starter for a long time being drafted by the Browns. But as long as you survive in the NFL the way that he did, that's having a great career, in my opinion. And I know that he wouldn't take it for granted. And, yeah, if he wants to play still, somebody's going to pick him up. 
because again, Colt McCoy, he's great for the locker room and he'll win you a few games just on his preparation. He might not be the most talented guy, you know, out there or the best quarterback that he's going against every week, but he finessed a lot of games for the Arizona Cardinals over the years and got them some pretty big wins. So yeah, I know, you know, this probably hurts for him at the moment, but his phone will be ringing very shortly. Yeah. Yeah, and as Joe K points out, Colts signed a two-year, $7.5 million contract last year with $6 million guaranteed, so he'll be okay. It always bothered me, though, that Chase Daniel, Chase Daniel, who's kind of a contemporary of Colts. Remember Chase was at Mizzou when Colt was at Texas, and Chase Daniel has somehow parlayed million in contracts in the NFL and Colts only earned um, well only uh, just less than 30 million and Colts I feel like has been the better quarterback not only in college but in the NFL yeah I'll tell you who Chase Daniels agent is but maybe uh, maybe Colt needs a new agent I don't know what I'm saying here but um He'll be okay. He'll be okay. Joe yeah, right. and, the, and I, I think you're right, Zay. I'm not kidding. I mean, I listen. Kyler Murray's a headache. He's he's tough. He's tough. He's talented, but he he's petulant at times. And Caleb Williams, there's no messing around. Caleb Williams is an assassin. So um, I think there will be a team or two tanking for Caleb this year yeah well you know what's interesting if you watch Caleb Williams which I watched that whole game of USC and San Diego State he has a little bit of collar in him like he'll drop his head and pout a little bit and he he has that aura too of just like man you got to get that together you need to change that a little bit like I understand you're the former Heisman winner and you know what your worth is like you know that teams are tanking for you Caleb Williams I get it so it's easy to have that oh I'm the ish attitude like my my crap don't stink like y'all are the problem I can't be the problem like look at this Heisman trophy that I have like y'all need to get it together and he showed out but there were a couple of times you know where he was just throwing his hands and pouting and stuff which to what you said chip like Kyler Murray has all of that he's very high maintenance so yeah I get it and they just the Cardinals just traded Isaiah Simmons their big time all do everything linebacker that they drafted very high out of Clemson that to the, Giants. For, to the Giants for a seventh round pick. They were like, off with you. Like, we're done trying to figure out what you are. And if I'm the Cowboys, Commanders, and Eagles, I'm like, damn, that the Giants just got a lot better. If they can figure it out, Brian Dayball can figure it out with him. Isaiah Simmons, I think he's one of the more athletic defenders in the league. Obviously, it didn't pan out with the Cardinals. But, yeah, those dudes, they're flat-out tanking. And Colt would have won them a few games this year, kind of like Lovey Smith style to where they – I don't think they want to win them. I don't think they want to win them. So, hey, again, Colt, that phone's going to be ringing very soon because I just think the character that Colt McCoy is, like a locker room could use that. And if yeah. Colt still wants to play, I know he's going to think everything through, like, hey, do I still really want to 
be a backup. And for a lot of guys, it's hard to leave the locker room. Like it's hard to just leave that camaraderie and that brotherhood that's like you know bonded in there. It's it's hard to give it up, and I could see easily Colt McCoy not wanting to give that up just yet. Well, and Colt McCoy was never supposed to play at Texas. Don't ever forget that. Mac Brown offered Colt McCoy, Mark Sanchez, and Ryan Paralu the same day, and said the first two who say yes. We'll get the scholarship. Of course, Colt said yes immediately. And then Ryan Perilou said, yeah, and then did his dance and went off to LSU. And Colt stepped in when Ryan Perilou went dancing off to LSU. And Colt McCoy went on to become a national player of the year and has his name up in the stadium and you know, probably should have won the Heisman Trophy in 2008. I thought that was his best year at Texas, and he would have won possibly the Heisman and possibly played the Swamp Kings for the national championship. And by the way, I watched the Swamp Kings, so I'm caught up, Zay. We'll have to talk about there that. There we go. Okay. But, um, you know, Colt was unbelievable in 2008, completed – 55% of his third and seven passes or longer, 55%. Remember, this is the guy who had the single season completion record um, in you know college football and FBS for, you know, until Kellen Moore broke it. Um, you know, Colt completed 76.7% of his passes. Guy was more accurate outside the pocket than he was inside the pocket, but not bad for a kid from Tuscola, Jim Ned High School. Come wow. on. Come on. Are they where are they? They 3A were 3A. Now? They were 3A when he was there. So they 4A now? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. So. That's that's some countryness right there. Oh yeah. Colt McCoy. Yeah. 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 But well, I let's mean, get I, I don't want to shortchange Zay's take here. So um, Man, me and BK kind of talked about it before you got on, but the Dallas Cowboys made a big move this past weekend, acquiring Trey Lance from the San Francisco 49ers for a fourth round pick, which, hey, I mean, I don't think that's too big of a gamble for the Cowboys with where you seen or where you saw Trey Lance go as a number three pick when he came out in that draft, but it kind of shows where his career's at and the 49ers just giving up on him. They said, Brock Purdy, we like you, Mr. Irrelevant for our future. And Sam Darnold, you being the former number one, uh, number three pick yourself coming out of Southern Cal, we like you too as the backup. So they had no room for Trey Lance and Jerry and Steven Jones. They took advantage of that. So, yeah, man, like Dallas constantly making moves as of late. And I don't think this affects the team because we all know Dak Prescott is the man. But if he were to go down, Cooper Rush now has some competition, it seems like. Well, it, it bothers me that Jerry Jones, I've always said if he would draft quarterbacks as often as he drafts tight ends, he would always have a young quarterback in the pipeline like the Patriots. The Patriots, with Tom Brady, drafted Matt Castle, you know Jimmy Garoppolo, Jacoby Brissett, Ryan Mallett. They got draft picks for all those guys. 
and always had a, a young guy in the pipeline. And Jerry doesn't like when he had Tony Romo, he drafted Stephen McGee. That's it. I mean, it was like, what are you doing? And, you know, what brought Brandon Whedon in, who was a baseball guy who was way older than he should have been. But <laughs> it's like ridiculous. You look at the good franchises and they're not afraid to bring in young quarterbacks to compete for the backup job. And if they just happen to excel, because look at Jerry, the one time he got it right was with Dak. And that was the draft that he wanted to draft Paxton Lynch. And fortunately for Jarrah, the Broncos grabbed Paxton Lynch in the first round before Jarrah could do something silly. And he ended up taking Dak Prescott in the fourth round that year. And Dak has turned into a really you know, fine NFL quarterback. I don't know if his best years are behind him. I hope not, but keep drafting young quarterback talent, you know, from the third round or later, my God, the Patriots had drew Bledsoe and took Tom Brady in, you know, in the sixth round. So it's, it, that's what the good organizations do. It, giving up a fourth round pick is, I mean, that's where they drafted Dak Prescott. Um, that's a valuable pick and I hope it works out. I hope the Cowboys have done their scouting and they, they, they know something. They Mike McCarthy rubbed his magic lamp or something and saw a vision of Trey Lance as the, you know, guy who could come in if something happens to Dak and continue this, this uh, hopeful, you know, deep playoff season for the Cowboys. But I just, Anytime the Cowboys are doing something at quarterback where they're not drafting young guys, Jarrah's got to snap out of that, man, because, you know, look, Trey Lance may end up being a, a, a great answer. A, this could end up being a great move. I have my doubts, but the sample size is small with Trey Lance. You know, the other quarterbacks taken in, in his draft class, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, they all have over 1,000 snaps in the NFL. He only has 253 snaps. And there are quarterbacks who bloom late. Hell, Geno. Geno Smith in Seattle last year. Yeah, good point. Wow. Yeah. Where did that come from? But he, he needed a chance, and maybe the Cowboys – had a great scout on, uh, on Trey Lance. So um, it's interesting. There's no doubt about it. Um, and Jera saying this could pay dividends for us this year means if, if something happens to Dak, they feel like Trey Lance is a guy who can keep the ball rolling. Yeah. And it's crazy. It kind of just shows how unpredictable the NFL is because you got the 49ers who gambled all of those picks that they traded to the Dolphins, which the Dolphins, what they got out of it was Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Bradley, uh, Brandon Chubb, Bradley Chubb that was in Denver. They traded for him and stuff. So they got all of that. And then they ended up with Trey Lance, but then they get Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy. So that just shows you, like, you can't predict these guys when you're drafting them. Like, it's hard to. It's very hard. That's why there's the Peyton Mannings of the world, and then there's the Ryan Leafs of the world. Like, it's just so hard to predict 
this talent that comes in. You just never know. And I'm with you, Chip. Like, Trey Lance, I don't think he's got a fair shot. I mean, he got his ankle ripped off in week two last year, and they were all in on him. Like right. they were the 49ers were saying, you know what, Jimmy G, even though you took us this deep in the playoffs and got us to a Super Bowl, it's time to start the Trey Lance train. It's time to roll with the guy that we moved up and got all those, you know, and trade all those picks for to get them very high. And it also goes to like these schools, these smaller schools like a North Dakota State where Trey Lance came from, like are the scouts and these GMs, are they going to keep gambling on those guys just off potential because Trey Lance messed up, which I don't think you can compare Carson Wentz in this sense because Carson Wentz, you know, he won an MVP and tore his ACL. Like who knows what, where he would be now if he didn't tear his ACL. But yeah, like, are they going to believe in those guys that didn't come for those big time schools? But at the end of the day, if you're good enough, don't matter where you are, they'll find you. Like Trey Lance hasn't got a fair shot in San Fran and Brock Purdy and Sam Darnold. If they fit in Kyle Shanahan's offense more then hey, make the move like John Lynch as a GM. He just straight up said, yo, we mucked up on this one. Sorry, like, it is what it is. That's the game. John Lynch, he's been in the NFL for a long time. One of my favorite safeties ever. Like, John Lynch, he couldn't play in this era at all. At all. He would get a flag. He would get targeting thrown out every single game. John John Lynch used to lay the wood for that very good Tampa Bay Buccaneer team. But... As a GM, he's made some good decisions, getting C.J. McCaffrey in and, again, Brock Purdy and stuff, and this one wasn't his best. So I don't think this affects Dak Prescott at all. I know they asked Dak, like, how do you feel about this? Were you told that this was going to happen and stuff? Like, you don't need to tell Dak that stuff. Like, he's fine. He understands the business. He's a big boy. He gets it. I think Dak is comfortable with himself to know that, yo, this guy ain't going to affect my job one bit. I know I'm the man. We were a couple of games away from getting to the Super Bowl. If I play better, who knows what's going to happen. And Dak has a lot of confidence coming into the season, thinking that he will be better in 2023 than he was in 2022. So, A, Trey Lance being still on his rookie contract, I think that's big too. And, hey, if he could get even close to that potential – who knows? Like, who knows? Like, if Dak goes down, I know you got Cooper Cup, who went four and one last year when Dak did go down. But if he could get Cooper up on Rush. that mic, Cooper Rush, excuse me. I'm sorry. Cooper Cup's the wide receiver. Thank you, Chip. Cooper Rush, I know you got him. But, like, if Trey Lance could jump on that playbook and understand it, I want to see why not he could be QB2. Yeah. Yeah. No. And listen, I was, I, I was a Dak doubter. I'm still a Dak doubter. I'm trying to come around. But I said, franchise Dak, franchise him and let him go. I mean, it just it just seemed like he's not running, you know, when he's got the opportunity to run anymore. I don't know if it's – I mean, I get it. His break, his tibia was snapped in half um, or fibula or whatever that thing. I mean, it was just – look, it was hanging at a 90-degree angle. Um, but – Jarrah looks like he's found the secret sauce with with Trey Lance. So we'll we'll see how that plays out. It's it's always an adventure with Jarrah for sure. Um, and Brock Purdy, 
my goodness, Brock Purdy, listen, his numbers coming out of Iowa State, fantastic, 67% completion rate. But it seemed like whenever the big moment came, he wasn't able to deliver, you know, and that's that's where we didn't really quite find out last year. You know, yeah, he beat the Cowboys. Um, he didn't do very much in that game except what, you know, took advantage of Dak's mistakes, uh, but then got hurt. And, you know, with the elbow in the in the uh, conference championship game. And so it we didn't quite see the end product. But Kyle Shanahan, he's he's a guy who tends to smell that quarterback DNA and he thinks Brock Purdy's got it. So this is going to be an unbelievable story. You talk about taking a flyer on a quarterback late in the draft, Mr. Irrelevant, and now he's the starter making peanuts, Zay. Yeah, yeah. He's making and next to nothing. Yeah, the, that's, uh, that's right. I that mean, rookie deal, man, like, is he even making over six figures? Good grief, man. You're right. right. Basically playing for peanuts. But, hey, they need to, that money that they're saving on Brock Purdy to give to somebody that's holding out right now, the reigning defensive player of the year, Nick Bosa. Like, that dude's trying to negotiate the new contract, which I get. He's a random defensive player of the year. You got to pay the man, especially because this is when now for San Francisco. Like, being in the NFC Championship game, they probably think if Brock Purdy doesn't go out of that game, they win that. Like, I would, you know, if I was on that team, I would have that confidence. I heard Debo Samuel, he flat out said it, like, in one of his interviews during the offseason. Like, if Brock Purdy was playing, we would have won that game. So, hey, whatever. He say, she say, talk right there. It's fun to talk about, especially with the job that you and I have. But, yeah, it's it's a twist because San Fran and the Cowboys, they're rivals, like, that's a rivalry in the 90s, those Steve Young versus Troy Aikman battles when, you know, they traded Dion and stuff like that. Obviously, it's not that impactful, but, like, people remember that. San Fran fans remember that. That Super Bowl, that was the only one they won in the 90s. when Deion Charles Sanders Haley going from San Francisco to Dallas. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's been a lot of guys in that rivalry, and you saw last year in the playoffs, it's just getting spicier and spicier with both teams with so much aspirations and so much, so much talent. Like, I, I don't know if we're going to look at it down the line and say it affected anything, this Trey Lance trade, but it's, it's interesting, that's for sure. Yeah. No, we'll have a lot to uh... – We'll have a lot to talk about tomorrow as we we size up all the the cut downs in the NFL as teams get to the 53 man roster. Uh, we'll have more to digest, obviously, uh, with the Longhorns as they prepare to open the season against Rice at 2:30 on Saturday, and and again we're we're basically also counting down to Tuscaloosa. Um, I'm reading everything I can about Alabama and, um, we're gonna, we're gonna be talking to, um, Chris Hummer tomorrow on the show, get his thoughts on, on what's going on with the Crimson Tide in Texas as they prepare for the opener. Um, and 
we will um, be talking to Lance Taylor, our SEC insider on Thursday and get his take because he lives right there in Birmingham. Just the hell they had Nick Saban on their show last week. So uh, Lance has always got thoughts about what's going on uh, with Alabama and the Crimson Tide. And um, it's going to be fun. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. College football season is here, folks. Um, we got a little taste of it. USC, Zachariah Branch. That dude looks like a star. Already. Oh, he wears number one. I mean, it's yeah. like, oh, when yeah, you get that a kick return, oh. stupid. <laughs> Man, when you get when you get a player who knows what he's doing and it's got that shake and that wiggle, wearing number one. I mean, Xavier Worthy's wearing number one, Zay. Yeah, he better show us something. He better show us something. But before we go, let's shout out our sponsors, Centex, Ticket, 7-Eleven, Relax the Backwood, AC and Repair. Shout out to Last Stand Hats. They are new to Texas Sports Unfiltered, Top Gun Rentals and Law Equipment, Allstat Beer, Covert and Auto Group, Dr. Eckert, AV Consultations. This is Chip and Zay on Texas Sports Unfiltered. We'll be here all week to prepare y'all for the rice game and chip i know you're gonna give us some more nuggets to all of the pressers that you had earlier today brett your mark getting that shot right back baby he deserved brett, your it. Mark, baby he deserved it you knew it was coming you knew it was coming brett yeah hey all right this is the tupac man i ain't surprised no way I ain't surprised that's right that's right that's right. Sark loves him some Tupac, man. He knows. Yeah, man. He's ready. He He's knows. ready to fire back. That's Absolutely. what uh, that's what Sark does. West Coast, baby. <laughs> All right. Everybody, thanks for listening. The dream is free. The hustle sold separately. Go to work. Peace. Talk to you tomorrow. Y'all be cool.